the South African uh, situation is really interesting. Uh, we had the euphoria, Ramaphoria, uh, in mid-December, and the rand uh, rising by 20% from its worst levels. Now, however, there seems almost a, a sense of nervousness that's come back into the into the country. What's going on? Well, as you point out, I think the currency markets, to a certain extent, um, anticipated the Ramaphosa victory. Close as it might be, I think they were better informed than the average South African South African investors. So that has been spot on. And yes, it's, it's anything from the Zuma regime is going to be an improvement. And I think markets have, have, have applauded that. Uh, and, and we have a short-lived Ramaphoria and, and, and optimism, which is which is fantastic. However, the mood has been dampened somewhat by the pronouncements by the ANC and Ramaphosa about the concept of uh, expropriation without compensation, and the the lack of detail and, and the lack of clarity and, and, and quite bluntly the lack of sound information about the land statistics is, is creating a lot of uh, unnecessary um, uncertainty in the minds of certain investors. They don't know how to deal with this. Uh, President Ramaphosa is trying very hard to placate markets and saying it won't affect economic growth and confidence, but I'm not so sure. I don't think that's happening. And, and so far, markets have quietly withdrawn some of that optimism. Uh, I often refer to capital as very cowardly. It mm. slinks away in the middle of the night. What about your clients, though? Do you have any farming clients? We do have a great number of farming clients, and this debate has been ongoing for a long time. And, and a lot of farmers have already, to a certain extent, sort of uh, put some money away elsewhere, whether it's local or offshore. Um, but now it's becoming more pronounced. Now it's not only just political talk. It could become policy, and it can, it can become policy very real soon. So the farmers are concerned as to what they should be doing. Should they be planting? Should they be raising capital to buy equipment and tractors and that kind of stuff? Or should they be holding back? And I suspect that it might spill over into other sectors of the economy, property development, property ownership. So we're a little bit in a turbulence again. I mean, South Africa is not a normal placid country like Sweden and Norway where things never happen. Things happen at great speed in South Africa and it's very difficult to have clarity where and how it's going to pan out in terms of asset allocation, where you should put your money. So what do you say to clients? I say to clients to have a clear head. They should not. Uh, they should be far more flexible in their approach as they would have been in the past. And to a large extent, by having some offshore ex uh, diversification, you have mitigated the risks um, of having all your money invested in one country where you have a fairly momentous issue coming our way, the question of land, land ownership, and how are you going to unravel this uh, uh, scrambled egg? and trying to put it back into an egg with a shell on in it, I think it's going to be very, very difficult. I think investors are just going to sit on the sideline for a while. It's such a shame, isn't it, because you've been through a difficult period in South Africa. Now it appeared as though in December rational economics would come back into play, but the rationality once again is, is out of the... Uh, well, off the table, it appears. It seems to me, and one, one will never know, but there seems to be some kind of a, a deal in the back rooms of the ANC that 
this land issue must now be addressed. And I think it's being addressed in great haste without a clear-cut plan. Now, I've been spending a lot of time reading the pronouncements of a various number of politicians, whether it's uh, Jesse Duarte or Maposa or the ANC's official undocuments, and there's a great confusion as to what does it mean. Does it mean all land? Does it mean only agricultural land? Is it land in tribal trusts? Is it land in private ownership? What about foreign-owned land? As an example, this Indian gentleman who spent a billion rand in the front suit buying up all the wine farms, what do you say to him? We're taking your land. You've, in, you've invested a billion rand in South Africa. Thank you very much. We're now taking it. So these are all the things that are into the pot, and I think you're going to have to have great statementship from Ramaphosa, how he's going to handle this, the political pressure from the left of the ANC and the demands of local and international investors. International investors would want clarity before they commit money to South Africa. But he keeps saying that he's going to be talking, uh, that, that, that he wants to get people together to talk sensibly, that there will be no expropriation without compensation in cases where the land is being productive, that most of the land is going to be state-owned land anyway that will be passed on, and so on and so forth. And of course it, it doesn't get helped by pronouncements from Australia uh, where some politician stands up and says, well, South African farmers, we will take you. We, we know in other parts of Africa there's been quite a, a, a red carpet laid out for South African farmers as well. What are your clients saying? Those, those farmers that are clients of yours, when they hear all of this, they have all this confusion, how, how do they react to it? <coughs> There's a great deal of uncertainty and you know, it's very difficult to advise people uh, in, with, with a very strong conviction. You cannot tell them it's going to happen, or, not, or alternatively you can't tell them it's not going to happen. It can be anywhere in between these two poles. These uncertainty. Two. Mm. And there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty and you can already see it where the uncertainty has already hit our residential property market where people are holding back, cancelling transactions. I personally cancelled a transaction down in the Cape when I heard this news. My first reaction was to cancel it, which I've done. Why? Well, tell us well, that story. Um, I was going to buy a, an office block for my business and already signed some of the papers. And when this pronouncement came, I immediately said, hang on, let me just watch through a wiki. You know, let's just... And immediately the, the, the seller came back and says, I'll drop my price by a substantial margin in order to clinch the deal. So now I'm holding him back. I'm not saying I've changed my mind, but I'm just saying I cannot commit as I would have committed pr previously. I need to see what's going to happen. Capital cowardly. Absolutely. I'm a big coward, and especially when it comes to my mm. clients. And mm. So the clients are, as the one client of mine said, as the farmer said, I'm a... I'm the last of my generation farming. My kids are not interested in the farm. I'm 63 years old. I am going to farm the heck out of this farm until they take it away. Now, that might be one individual, but there might be other farmers thinking the same. Yes, they're coming for my farm. It might take some time. I can still make some good money out of the farm and then eventually I'll hand it over, and that's the end of the story. But that's not a good story for the country as a whole. I was talking to a very senior banker who said that the minute one farm is taken, that's the end of bank finance to the whole agricultural sector, because if you, in his view, if there's no longer security, why, how can you lend? So it's a very complicated and very complex issue. Surely 
sanity will prevail in the end? Hopefully, because the statistics show you that the banks have an exposure of up to 180 billion rand to the farming community. And it's a revolving credit all the time. I extend credit to a farmer. He buys equipment, seeds and, and petrol. He plants. He makes, he, 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 he harvests. His, and out of the profit, he pays me back. And this is how farming has been operating in this country for many, many, many years. Now, if you disturb that mechanism, where's the farmer going to get the finance to plow back into his farm? And that could affect the farming production. Magnus, on a, 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 a broader scale, as far as the South African markets are concerned, they've had a rough ride for, for many years, and you've very accurately and very sensibly been telling people to diversify now for years. I, I, I remember when you were talking of uh, take your money offshore, um, I can't remember how, where the rand was when you started saying that, but there were many of us who thought you were stone mad. You've proven to be absolutely right. What are you saying today? Well, the basis of that statement six, seven years ago was uh, we were both financial journalists and we knew that the commodity cycle determines what happens in South Africa. If the commodity cycle is positive and rising, we do very well. We make enormous amounts of money for the stuff that we dig out of holes and send somewhere else. We, we all become very wealthy. The minute the commodity cycle starts turning, you must know the reverse is going to happen. So it was mainly driven by the commodity cycle, which I started seeing dropping and dropping very rapidly. The other part of the uh, advice was there had been tremendous stuff, exciting stuff happening in other parts of the world, Americas, Israel and Europe, like technology, the Internet, biotechnology, which we don't have access to in South Africa. And the, the best performing asset class in the past nine years has been the fangs, the internets, and the biotechnology stuff. And South Africans just don't have access to that. And if you want to get into those industries, you have to take your money offshore and, and, and take it to America. And that's been sound advice. People who got in earlier in the, tele, in, in, in the internet stocks, biotechnology stocks, have trebled their money relative to the South African money. And that, that advice still holds. If you want to get involved in the, in the artificial intelligence, Incredible uh, developments in, in, in the internet space. It's not going to happen in South Africa. It's mm. happening offshore. Mm. So you're still uh, overlaying that though with the rand, which has improved uh, in the last uh, three months, very strongly. How are you viewing the rand today? I always try and tell people: once you decide to invest in dollars, do not convert back to rand. It's going to work in your favour in sometimes, and it's going to work against you at other times. But human beings, what they are, they will always convert to back to RAND to think, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. The RAND currently is, 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 is just about ready to start weakening again, not only because of the South African situation, because I think the dollar has come to the end of its two to three year downward cycle. The average South African does not realize how dramatically the dollar has dropped the last 12 to 15 months. For a big currency like that to drop 15% is an incredibly sharp decline and I think uh, that could be turning around. And that plus interest rate increases in the United States could pressure on our currency. So when you're talking to your clients today, they in South Africa, <laughs> today they're feeling very depressed. Two months ago they were ecstatic. How are you getting them to approach investing rationally? 
you've got to try and paint, paint a big picture story. You're part of a very big world. You know, you're there living in a different world now. You've got to be part of that big world, so you have to take some of your money offshore. I quite often ask people saying, where did you buy a cell phone? It's an Apple cell phone or a Samsung. What car do you drive? Medical equipment. All those things that we use almost daily is priced in dollars. It's not priced in rands. And uh, they kind of get the message eventually. Mm. And I also say to them, what did you pay for your first Apple iPhone five years ago? And then they ask them, what is it costing today? And then I say, should you not be investing in that currency to protect the purchasing power of, of, of your money? And the nervousness amongst your clients, is that a very real thing? Of course it's real when people have not been educated correctly about why they're investing offshore. Uh, if you're looking for a stable, predictable income, then you invest like the foreigners. You invest in our bonds. You invest in our high-income funds. That gives you an 8 9%. Fantastic yield. It's a very good yield. But if you want that 15 to 20%, which you do need in your portfolio, even though you're retired, you have to take some money offshore and, and take a bit more risk.